0: Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com
1: B-E. Every child deserves a team. That's the belief behind Jigsaw Learning, a proud sponsor of the B-Podcast Network. And it's why the company, founded by educators Curtis and Lorna Hewson, focuses on ensuring success for all learners through collaborative response an approach in which every child is supported by a team. Through customized professional learning that incorporates workshops, leadership development, online learning opportunities, and more, Jigsaw Learning can guide you every step of the way to create a plan to maximize the collective capacity in your schools. Learn more at jigsawlearning.ca.
0: Hey, all my Seeing to Lead listeners. Welcome to another episode of Seeing to Lead, The podcast designed to help support, engage, and empower leaders by amplifying voices of those they serve as well as theirs. This episode is the part two follow-up when we're talking about how to best support those we serve. Part one talked about strategies for building trust, coaching instead of mentoring, and communication. Well, this one talks about modeling pathways, building a bridge, and giving feedback on progress. You know, when it comes to modeling pathways, you're always going to be much more successful at knowing, communicating with, and working with your individual teachers based on their personal needs if you model your expectations. So what we want to do is focus on asking ourselves if we've demonstrated new technology, led a class with a different strategy, or provided the opportunity for peer observation. Next, we go into building a bridge you know, often teachers soon realize that there's a gap between where they want to be as a next step in acting on their plan. So as leaders looking to support people, we have to ask ourselves if we've focused on that gap that needs to be crossed by discussing the challenges they're facing instead of the failure that they've experienced. And finally, we get into that whole feedback piece, that giving feedback on the progress that those you serve are making. And the key to those conversations, because they're often difficult, is to praise and encourage the individual that's taken the risk, that's tried to reach that goal, even if the improvement has only helped their progress a little. And so we need to ask ourselves if we've kept suggestions for improvement in three areas. I talk more about that in the the episode Have we as leaders specifically focused on what more the individual needs to be supported? Have we also, on the other end of that, encouraged them to continue their efforts? Look, there's a lot of value in the next half hour. I would love to hear your feedback on what you found most valuable and your biggest takeaway. So please, once you're done, share this out on social media, tag me, and leave me that biggest takeaway that you have. I would also really appreciate it if you took that time to hit the subscribe button and even leave a rating and review if you want so that others can hear more of the Seeing to Lead podcast. And finally, there's a book out that I wrote by the same title. So if you want even more information, in-depth strategies, go ahead, head over and pick up a copy of that wherever you get your books. I sure would appreciate it. Look, speaking of appreciation, I'm so grateful that you continue to tune into the Seeing to Lead podcast every week. And as I always like to say, let's get to getting better with Seeing to Lead. You do this not by focusing on what's gone wrong or all the things that aren't working. That keeps the negative mindset alive and well and keeps reminding the person of failure. And that in and of itself is one of the Biggest roadblocks to progress. Instead, we have to think positive. We do that by focusing on the difference that needs to be made up between what is and what's supposed to be. Thoughtful dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Hey everyone, Dr. Jones here with support part two. I'm really excited about this because I think supporting teachers is really the key to improving student performance. Once you properly support a teacher, then they're excited to come to work. They're passionate about what they do. And that bleeds through into how they deliver their content and build relationships with students. But to do that, we have to understand a few things as leaders. To help us start to do this, I figured I'd start this part two with a little bit of an exercise. I want you to take a second and close your eyes. Well, don't close me if you're listening to this in the car, obviously. But you get the idea. I want you to think about someone who fills you with all kinds of frustration, resentment, and anger. You know that person, the person during your course of your day that gives you a hard time, that whenever you think of them, you have to make sure that your facial expression hasn't changed for the worst because it's going to give away your true feelings. That person. I want you to really picture Some of the things this person has done to make the top of your special list, that list that, you know, we don't really want to go into that classroom or we don't really want to deal with that person. Live with that feeling of frustration for a moment. Just reflect on it for a moment. Feel it. Live it. Think of the things they've done that have caused that. Make it real for yourself as if they were doing that same act again. Now, hold on a minute. Take a couple of breaths and clear your mind. Ask yourself this very serious question. What if that person is doing the best they can? What emotion did that bring to the surface for you? The reason this is important is because, look, this is support part two, but there are six things in these two parts that I go over the first one was strategies for building trust. The second, I gave you an idea about coaching teachers instead of mentoring them. And then the third one, we talked about the important part of communication. Well, there's three more that are incredibly important to finish up this cycle of support for teachers. And that's what I want to go through, but what you need to realize is that oftentimes those behaviors that we get aggravated over, that upset us, that make us angry, Those behaviors are when the teacher needs the most support possible. It's just that we have to reframe that perception in our mind. And look, it's not always going to be easy. There are going to be times where these teachers frustrate us and it's been a damaged relationship because of that. And that's not necessarily their fault. It's not necessarily our fault. The fact is that relationship has been damaged. And until that relationship is repaired, will continue the same vicious cycle of anger, frustration and even resentment. So, now think back. What feeling did that give you when I asked you to think that they're doing the best they possibly can? So, there's three areas I want to touch on in today's podcast. And again, it's not an interview podcast. It's a part two to support like I'd mentioned in the last one, but I just demonstrated the first one for you, modeling pathways. And I did it with just a small Example of what can be done. The second one is about building bridges to success. And then the third one is about giving feedback on progress. So let's get started with the first one, which is modeling pathways. You know, we'll all become much more successful at knowing, communicating with, and working with individual teachers based on their personal needs if we model our expectations. So The big question you have to ask yourself is Have you demonstrated new technology, led a class with a different strategy, or provided the opportunity for peer observation? Those are all around the idea of modeling. And when I told you I did that with the activity, I modeled to you something I do to help myself because I get frustrated as well. I get angry as well. There are situations where I have damaged relationships that I need to work on. And that's just one of the strategies. I use to do that. And that's one of the tricks for leaders, right? Because we need to continually realize that each person we lead is different and they have different strengths. And we sometimes forget as we move further away from the classroom and then get excited about pushing to move forward that people come in all shapes and sizes. There are those who are great at classroom management, but they struggle with paperwork. There are teachers who are incredible working with students in person, but when it comes to integrating technology, they fall a little short. And let's not forget about individuals who continually try new instructional strategies, but follow no plan for lessons or sometimes grading structure. And things get awfully messy as they try new things going forward. You know, many times we get caught up in a lot of different topics that we need to model in, but often, especially in these times, it's new technology. That teachers are unsure of trying. I mean, think about this. You've been doing something the same way for the past 10 years. And as time goes on, things start to change little by little. But you're solid at what you do. So you don't really need to pick up the new things or change all that much. So you don't. And I want you to think about the teacher who has only changed a little or not at all over the past 10 years. What's that look for them now? As they look at how much they have to change with one-to-one initiatives, with Google Classroom, the Google Suite, the G Suite, and Microsoft, of course, followed up with their own 360 suite. So there's all kinds of technology going on that if they haven't been changing a little all along, well, it's a big cliff to fall off of now. So think about this. When it comes to technology, consider using technology to help model the use of technology. Because when you do something that's asynchronous, somebody can watch it, listen to it, or absorb it in any way that works for them at any time. And asynchronous is really good when you're using things like Loom or Screencastify to show them how to use something new. I personally, I'm a fan of short videos. Videos are very helpful for clarifying expectations. You know, I talked about the asynchronous model. But one big bonus to that, and this is something that works with building trust as well and communicating, if you give them something asynchronous, there's no pressure to watch it or complete it in front of you. And once that happens, teachers feel more comfortable, and what better way to learn than feel a little more comfortable? Not to mention, once you create something, Like a video, whether you're doing a regular video talking or whether it's in Loom or Screencastify, it lives forever. So you could almost build a library. I say almost. You could build a library with all these new things. One of the things I do want to caution you about with this strategy, though, is make sure that you set parameters, explain them, and stick to them before making this type of resource. For example, Don't tell teachers you've got a short, quick, little video if it's 20 minutes. If you're going to go in more in-depth with your resources, make sure you link those greater in-depth resources and explain what they're about and how they work. That will bring people in much more than if you give them some false information. Another really good way to model is in person. So much of what we do in the classroom has to do with personal relationships, face-to-face relationships. But the trick to this is you need to make sure that the teacher who you're modeling for is comfortable with something like that occurring. You can help them lead a class to show an activity or a nonverbal strategy you use. And just like any type of evaluation that's out there, you just talk first and say, hey, look, I really think that proximity And your nonverbal communication through your proximity can improve this way. Let me show you a couple of ways I do that, where it's not too oppressive to the students. It's subtle, but it gets the job done. This helps because the last thing you want to do is embarrass or make feel embarrassed or self-conscious the person that you're trying to support. Another way to do this is take yourself completely out of the equation, but talk to another expert in your building or someone that's very skilled in that, right? I mean, think about it. How much more powerful is it for students to see their peers doing or saying something? I mean, in special education classes, we label them model students. We always laugh that you can tell your own child or students something until you're blue in the face and one of their friends tells them and suddenly it's gold, something that you've been talking about for months. Well, guess what? The same holds true for teachers. If a teacher's struggling, pair them up with another person in the building who's reaching your expectations. Do whatever you need to get this done. Cover their class, get a substitute, have an in-house field trip. Those are very useful if you can cover classrooms. But whatever you do, get them into their colleague's classroom or getting the colleague into their classroom works as well. Either way, it gives them the opportunity to observe the expectations you're explaining to them in action from one of their peers that shows how successful they can be. There's one little special piece to this I always have to add because sometimes people get hung up on this. Don't get hung up on the idea of making sure teachers observe each other in the same subject. Good teaching is good teaching, no matter the content. As I wrap the idea of modeling up, I just want you to reflect on something. And this is a little vulnerable because often we're our biggest critic. I want you to step back and think about teachers who continually underperform based on the expectations you have for them. I bet you those conversations have been difficult. And I bet that you have the same mindset whenever you meet with them. You hope it's over soon, you smile, and you have one more meeting closer to fulfilling the required number for the evaluation. But have you ever, as a leader, stopped to think that the teacher either feels the same way about you or actually wants to do a better job? What if they think you just don't like them? If that's the case, how can we as leaders ever expect the teachers we serve to improve? Remember, most leaders are going to quickly say that they've done all they can to better support those we serve, but that's because of our own confirmation bias. We need to consider doing everything we can to support teachers, and that starts. By offering resources, modeling, all the way up to providing a mentor to help them begin to build momentum towards our expectations. So once we've started that, it's all about crossing the gap that exists by building a bridge. Supporting your teachers and students seems to be a struggle. They just don't seem to be engaged. You wish they would take more responsibility for their learning and culture of the building, but they just don't seem to be empowered enough to do it. So my question is, have you checked out the book Seeing to Lead yet? It's all about creating a true educational experience where learning, growth, leadership, and community take center stage. Full of strategies and resources, Seeing to Lead is about attaining that goal by employing a model that supports, engages, and empowers all individuals to become leaders themselves. Pick up a copy today at seeingtolead.com. That's seeingtolea dot com. Remember, you don't become a leader and then decide you need to support and recognize others more than yourself. It is the moment you realize it's about supporting and recognizing others that you become a leader. Seeingtolead.com. We all set goals. When a teacher sets a goal and knows where they need to be, and the leader walks right alongside them with that goal, you have your discussion. You both agree how to get there. But then what happens is things come up along the way. Obstacles get in the way, setbacks occur, morale drops. If we think about it, it gets even harder for that teacher to achieve those goals, especially if the teacher is taking, well, let's call it a forced risk because there's a clear need for improvement. When that happens, the teacher and the leader are going to realize that there's a gap between where they want to be as a next step in acting on that plan and getting to that goal so that they can be successful. When that occurs, that's where the leader has to be ready to address it before the teacher decides to return to the comfort of staying the same. Look, whenever we face struggles, we all have that tendency, that nagging voice in our head that tells us, let's just fall back to this level of performance or this area because it's comfortable. Because we all want to feel comfortable. So, the first step when this happens is to identify and actually focus on that gap between where the current performance is and where the expressed hope or the goal or what's considered success is. You do this not by focusing on what's gone wrong or all the things that aren't working. That keeps the negative mindset alive and well, and keeps reminding the person of failure. And that, in and of itself, is one of the biggest roadblocks to progress. Instead, we have to think positive. We do that by focusing on the difference that needs to be made up between what is and what's supposed to be. Let me give you some action steps that will help you and possibly explain this a little better or more in depth. When you get to this point, you have to have a conversation about that gap. You start that conversation by acknowledging the purpose of the conversation. You reinforce that you believe in continuous improvement and that you value them as an educator and a person and their place in the overall culture of the building. That's going to help you preserve and continue to build trust in the relationship, even though you're about to have a difficult conversation. Once you start that conversation, focus on that gap. Remember, we just talked about it. And drawing back to the idea of what you personalize and depersonalize, identify and then make sure to depersonalize what isn't working for the teacher at that time. And then discuss the challenges that are currently stopping the teacher from reaching that success at the end. Tease out what's not working. Tease out what is working. And then the two of you together collaborate on some adjustments and small action steps that will help move forward toward a more successful ending or hitting that goal outright. Then create a coaching or mentoring plan to help support them. Now, I mentioned the difference between coaching instead of mentoring before. Sometimes, and this depends on the person and the struggles that they're having, but sometimes if a good mentor is put in place, then coaching becomes easier because they're more receptive to it. Sometimes if good mentoring is put in place because that's the nature of the problem, then there is no need for coaching at that moment and they begin to move forward again. But there are also times where a mentor is not going to help no matter how good they are, where the individual just needs straight coaching. Finally, once you do this, make sure you follow up on that plan or those action steps that you've created in a consistent but positive manner. The best way you can support teachers is by offering a meaningful feedback as close to any follow up as possible. Once you do this, give it some time and then repeat the process. The most important thing out of this process is to remember and believe that if they could be performing better, they would. So you build that map on how to get there with them, and then you build the bridge to get over that gap with them. The final part of this support piece is giving feedback on progress. Look, if we're talking about continuous improvement, we have to continually give feedback. And the only way you can do that is if you praise and encourage individuals as they work to get better for every little improvement. Even if it's it's only a small improvement, you still praise it. The setbacks, of course you notice the setbacks, And of course, you address them, but you address them in a depersonalized, positive way. So how do you do something like that? You look at them, say it's an initiative or something like that that didn't go off as well as planned because you've noticed and heard that the communication wasn't thorough enough or early enough. So when you pull the person aside, you say, hey, you know, that worked out really good. Nice job for your first time. You know what I've noticed? So when you do this again, and it's important to say that because that means You have enough faith and confidence in them that they did a good enough job that they're going to do it again. When you do this again, I've seen other programs that they do a lot more communicating than we had and it's been successful with them. So I think they usually send out communication earlier in the process and they send a lot more like there are different waves of communication, how much or how little. So maybe next time we try something like that. So right there, you've highlighted that they've been successful. You've shown you have faith in them to continue, but you've also told them where they need to improve. So you've encouraged them to continue the efforts. It's really important to note that when you're giving feedback, that you don't give tons and tons of feedback. You know, when I was teaching in the classroom, we I remember when I first got this six plus one traits writing, a new writing program that we're going to go through. And as I read through it, the idea that you don't give feedback on all seven areas of writing at once on the same paper, it becomes overwhelming for the student and the teacher. If you do one area at a time, it's more focused, more personalized, faster, more thorough. And so improvement comes easier. So not that we're doing six plus one treat writing with supporting teachers. however. There are different traits that teachers need to emulate to improve. And if we approach all of them or mention everything that a teacher needs to improve, it's overwhelming. They shut down. Improvement slower. Where if we just take one to three, one to three areas, don't go over three areas when you're suggesting improvement. And the closer you get to three, they've got to be smaller tweaks because then they're manageable. Now they have success and they can tweak them further. So that's the three. Modeling pathways, building a bridge, and giving feedback on progress. And that rounds out the six. You can see how they're all pretty intertwined, but they're separate enough where you can take specific action about each one. I want to leave you with a quick story that highlights the idea of building a bridge, building trust, modeling, communication, feedback, all of that. You see, every year... I hold what I call 15-minute meetings. An email goes out, and every teacher in my building gets scheduled with me for a 15-minute meeting. That meeting is meant to be an evaluation of me. Now, when new teachers come in, I know they've talked to other teachers to ask about it. I kind of make a joke about that when we first meet. And I say, okay, I observe, give feedback to, and evaluate everybody in this building. It's not fair unless you have the same Opportunity to do it to me. So I ask teachers three questions. One, what am I currently doing that I need to stop? Two, what am I currently not doing that I need to start? And three, what is one thing I can do to make your life easier or better? They can answer these questions in any order. They can skip around. They can rant for 15 minutes. It's their 15 minutes. But what I am certain to do is I take notes during the meeting. I listen. I don't defend. I may ask clarifying questions, but I don't defend anything they say. And then I act. I especially act on the last one because they're telling me straight out something they need that can make their life better. And if there's one thing I've come to understand is that voice doesn't matter if it isn't heard and acted upon. Well, that's it. I'm going to leave it there. That is the last half of the support piece that I wanted to talk to you about and offer to you as a valuable set of strategies to better support those you serve. I'd really appreciate it if you'd do me a favor. Once you hear this, share on social media and tag me. If it's Twitter, well, just about anywhere, it's at Dr. C.S. Jones. Tag me with your biggest takeaway, your biggest thought, your greatest piece of feedback. I love feedback because that's the only way We continually improve. If you want to hear about these things more in depth, I invite you to purchase my book, Seeing to Lead, anywhere you purchase your books normally. That's it for now. I hope you hit that subscribe button, tag me on social media, and share. And I'm asking you, if you don't mind picking up a copy of my book, I do think you will enjoy it. Now, you go out and have yourself a great day. Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step, be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Hey, thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you would like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at Dr. C.S. Jones. If you've gotten any value from the Seen to Lead podcast today, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Also, one last thing, Have you had a chance to pick up my latest five-star rated book yet? Grab your copy of Seeing to Lead anywhere you buy books or at seeingtolead.com. That's S-E-E-I-N-G-T-O-L-E-A-D.com, where you can learn more and continue to improve.
1: Now go have a successful week. And now a quick word from our sponsor, Jigsaw Learning. Whether you lead at the school, district, or division level, you're serving a wide array of students, and you know that no one person has all the answers when it comes to meeting each of their needs. That's why Jigsaw Learning helps leaders and their staff and faculty to develop a collaborative approach. Every child deserves a team, and when you put together the pieces of effective collaboration, you can realize that team's full potential. Connection. Relationships and authentic collaboration are at the foundation of Jigsaw Learning's work. Through professional learning presented on-site, online, or a blend of both, Jigsaw's team of experienced learning associates works with you to develop a personalized plan to help collaborative response thrive in your organization. Learn why educators have described working with Jigsaw Learning as powerful, wonderful, and beneficial for all students. Visit JigsawLearning.ca and connect with the team for information. That's JigsawLearning.ca.
0: There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, FlexTime enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E.